They came from across North America. They meet here each week in the basement of an abandoned comic book shop to talk comics. Covering all the news and info you need to the latest reviews and even books to stay away from. Join your hosts, Infinite Speech, the comic book clergyman, and the Spider-Man geek. Every week here on Tales from the Water. Welcome everybody to this week's Tales from the Water Cooler. That's your cue. water cooler people. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> episode episode two forty six. Uh, with us tonight we have Infinite Speech and Spider Man Geek. We are Sans um, comic book clergyman tonight. Uh... Boo earns. You had more important stuff to do, as usual. I guess so. Alright, how you been, Speech? Uh, I've actually been great. Um, did another re-watching of a Cap Civil War. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. Because, you know, there's always stuff that you're going to miss. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I saw a few things that I missed, and I'm like, hmm. I mean, it didn't in any way like turn this to film but but i'm like uh that could have been changed could have been a little bit different so it's like yeah ah well yeah you know just being nitpicky at this uh, point yeah pretty much but it, it was just it was just that you know i'm then i figured there were already so many people in the film that the only the only way it could have actually nailed the parts i was being picky about is if it was like another 30 40 minutes longer and yeah. at that point the movie probably would not have been good it would have dropped from like yeah yeah it was all right hmm. you know, so i mean i was i was wondering why the uh the security detail for the black panther and his dad they weren't like as visible all the time as they are in, in the books Mm-hmm. And maybe his dad wouldn't have died. Like, well, his dad had to die because, I mean, that had to spur on other stuff and he had to go after Bucky. So, I mean, it's like, eh, you know. Yeah. It's convenient, but, you know. Being nitpicky at this point. Yeah. However, I was just, um, um again, at the, uh, at the fight choreography. That was just, uh, it was just ridiculously good. And I still think I'm the only person upset that Crossbones died. Spoiler alert if you didn't know. <laughs> I don't know. Is he really dead? Uh, I think he's really dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's no coming back from from that. because I I thought she just shot him up there, and I I you know she contained the blast until he was up in the air, and like look on her face like oh shit, mm-hmm. you know, like when you drop mom's like favorite most expensive china, that was her look. On her face. <laughs> After she kills, you know, several dignitaries and all that and ambassadors. And, you know, she killed the bad guy. But still, I still say it's Tony's fault. Everything was Tony's fault. Blame Stark. That's how it is. Blame Stark. And the fact that 
General Ross conveniently left out his part in the whole thing where he helped fuck up Harlem. Mm-hmm. There's so, that. you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, notice that was left out of all of the clips. Nobody even mentioned the abomination and the fact that he tampered with, with some bastardized version of the super soldier serum and gave it to this soldier and he just went nuts and at that point what do you call there were no avengers so but we've got the hulk so you know it's like ah we're gonna put out this fire with an even bigger fire <laughs> i gotta watch that movie I'm again to punish you, buddy. <laughs> I did you did you like it incredible hulk? i uh there were a lot of parts that i did like about it i didn't particularly like edward norton as banner uh but I think as a whole, I I, en- I actually enjoyed the movie. See, I think there's a very small group of us that actually liked him as Banner, as well as liked the movie. I thought it was still fun and enjoyable. The ending was a little blah, but still, mm-hmm. you know, it was just too slugging it out. I, you know, I, I like the uh, the beginning was good. It was uh, pretty good. I found him hiding out in where was he? Brazil? Was in Brazil? Yes, yes, I think it. Was- yeah, I think he was in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, so him hiding out there I thought was like a good start to the movie. You know, it's Banner on the run trying to control the yeah. Hulk. You know, I I thought it, that was pretty good. Yeah, I, I really didn't like the, the guy that they were alluding to to become the leader when his when the stuff oh, leaked on his head. And yeah. stuff. I was like, uh, I'm like, please don't make him become the leader because he just <laughs> so does not even anywhere look part. No. Drew the pencil mustache. <laughs> Just been horrible. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. Well, uh, other than that, though, just uh, on on my end, uh, we had Ottawa Comic Con this past weekend. Ooh. Ooh, so I went to a comic book convention, and I have plenty to complain about. Um, <laughs> I saw I saw what happened to the misses. Yeah. She got caught by the Empire. Yeah, that's right. The Empire uh <laughs> took the rebel scum in and uh <laughs> and sent her to some jail time. It was, it was a neat setup though, because you uh what you do is you, you go up to the booth there and, and um it's all led by the five hundred and first uh uh Legion, uh which are like Star Wars sco- okay. cosplayers. Okay. I think they're all over North America. Yeah. And um Yeah. So you go up to the booth there and you you give a donation. Um, it goes to a local charity, and what they do is you give them some info and show them a picture of a friend of yours or whoever, um, and then they go out on the con floor, look for the person, arrest them, and bring them in. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that that part was wow. pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. So, and so they, she didn't know what was going on when she got arrested? No, well, it, we we had walked by the booth before, so we knew um, we knew the concept. We knew some people were doing this. Uh, we weren't expecting that okay. uh, um, that's, they would come for her, and uh, they did. Oh. <laughs> so there, there was a, we had a few friends uh, that were at the con, and they knew we were there, so they um, they went ahead and donated and had her arrested. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though. Yeah, That's yeah, it is cool. pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, so the you know some of the celebrities that were there were um, Ming Na Wen from um, Agents of Shield. Picking? What's that? You said you had some 
compla- complaining or nitpicking? I do, and I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the stars they had were Alan Tudyk, Ming-Na Wen, um, John Delancey, Delaney, John Delaney, Delancey, I forget his name, Q from okay. Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, yeah. uh, Eliza Dushku was there, and a few others that don't come necessarily in mind. Uh, René uh, Aubergenois, who played uh, Otto on um, Deep Space Nine. Um, for you Star Trek fans. Oh, there. okay. Um, he okay. was there. Uh, so, you know, they had all these celebrities, photo ops, all the usual stuff. They had some Q&As, some panels, um, lots of vendors. Uh, Artist Alley, for like comic book industry people, was one alley. <laughs> that's that's my main complaint. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the, good, the, the only real... We had kind of two that I sort of know is uh, Kevin Eastman was there. He was the big featured comic book guest. Um, okay, all so, right. Yeah, Kevin Eastman and uh, uh, Wiltz or Wiles Portacio. Okay. Yeah, Inker, he was there too? Yeah, Inker yeah. Artist. Um, he was there. So uh, those were the two bigger names that they had, but that was basically it. Uh, Tom Fowler was there and a few other people that I can't, I couldn't even tell you. I can't even remember now. But uh, so I was, I was very disappointed because I had a three-day pass and I walked around and after you do your initial walkthrough where you've seen pretty much all the vendors and the little booths and who's there and that kind of stuff and I'm like, wow, I get to walk around for two more days of this and there's no one to talk to in Artist Alley. There's no like, it just, it was just about uh-huh. celebrities, photo ops, autographs and cosplayers. That's you know, the rest is all just vendors of local comic book shops that have a setup there or selling trinkets of some sort. And not even tabletop gaming was big. Like, they, they had one tabletop display um, or vendor uh, that was running sort of a gaming area. Um, but it wasn't even free gaming, like free as in open gaming. It was, uh, it was like demos. Uh, so they were just doing demos, which wasn't isn't really as fun, and it was always packed. No. Yeah. Uh. And it was typical, you know, con food. <laughs> but hey, they had they had beer, so that's good. <laughs> con food. Uh. Yeah. So I, that's that's just I'm just sort of jaded with uh, these these particular organizers of the Ottawa Comic Con who also do Pop Expo. They do the Quebec City uh, Comic Con and Montreal Comic Con. Um, they're really, really, I, it feels like they're phasing out the entire comic book aspect. Uh, the focus is on just what brings in money. And unfortunately, comic book artists and writers don't bring in money to the con, right? Um, so it's unfortunate, but the comic part of Comic-Con is really just there for no reason at all at this point. So it's it's disappointing. You know, uh, I hate to see that happen. That sucks. Yeah. So hopefully I'll be doing more cons I mean, in the States. Comic con. Exactly. So it's a little uh. frustrating, but it is what it is. Otherwise, I mean, it was still a good weekend. We enjoyed what we could there without, you know, feeling like we had to spend a shit ton of money. Um, because that's all that's all they want you there for. <laughs> but uh, it was it was all right. Those autographs. 
those autographs, I didn't get any. We bought a couple of prints from a lo uh, I think she was a local artist. Um, one of Darth Vader, a little chibi okay. sort of Dar Darth Vader riding uh, R2-D2 and uh, Baymax. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Support your local artists. That's always good. That's right. So that that was pretty much my now, weekend. You said Ming Na Wen was there. Yep, yep, she was there. Did she ask about me at all? She did actually. She um, I ah, uh, yeah. But I want to hear. Yeah, well, she's she heard that you were you know um healing up from your injury, and uh, she just hoped that she wasn't too harsh on you in your sparring lesson which led to the injury so <laughs> so she sends her she sends her best she sends her regards uh, she's she's always just a sweetheart <laughs> um, she she better not die on tonight's episode of yes of speaking of which let's segue into that and now the news Agents All right. Well, tonight is the night. <laughs> tonight is the night that one of the agents is supposed to die. It's the finale, and um, you know, hopefully, there's like a few online betting pools. I guess people will bet on anything and everything. And there's like, you know, who's gonna um, end up dying? I, I'm I'm not even sure. I just know it. It it better not be Mac. It better not be May, Fitz, or Simmons. Those are the four mm -hmm. that they cannot kill off on the show, or I will have to stop watching. So, what's your what's your what's your guess? What's your prediction here? Well, I mean, Daisy's boyfriend, um, the Hunter. electro and human guy, the new. Oh, yeah, uh, huh? yeah, da Daisy's boyfriend. Sorry, yeah, uh, Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, Lincoln. That's his name. Yeah, Lincoln can go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, it's kind okay, of like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, somebody said that, you know, it could be Colson, and I'm like, well, you know, for him to already die and then have to come back and then die again, I think it'll be a little bit uh, too much. So, but Lincoln can definitely go and I'll be fine. But as long as, like I said, Matt. Fitz, Simmons, and May cannot die. Mm -hmm. What about you? Who's your money on? Um, well, I haven't really watched the second half of the season, so I stopped at around the, the mid-season break. Um, so just as action has been ramping up, it seems, uh, I have some friends who have sort of been telling me a little bit about <laughs> it without spoiling too much. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking, is, is Hunter dead? I'm thinking Hunter might be the no, one. No, Hunter and Bobby aren't aren't dead. No, all right. So um, maybe Hunter is he still considered an agent of Shield? Is he on the team still? Um, no, he's not on the team. That's why I'm like he can't he can't die. So right. he's already not on the team. Okay. So he's safe actually. Wherever he's at <laughs> now, he's safe. <laughs> um, it's definitely not Ward. He's neither an agent nor technically able to die <laughs> since he's already been there. I guess <laughs> I heard that part. Um, so I I don't know. Uh, 
Oh man. I'm hoping. Ah. Who, who could it be? Mac? How's Mac's role been in the second half? No. Okay. One, Mac can't die because look, they already killed the only other brother on the team, and that was Trip. <laughs> <laughs> so Mac has to stay by default alone, and his his role is still pretty big. Though I still miss that relationship he had with Fitz mm-hmm. when Fitz was recovering. I. I missed that because they moved on to Fitz and Simmons actually starting their relationship now. And Mac is kind of starting one with Yo-Yo. So, you know, that's and, you know, he's got that big brother role with Daisy as well. Yeah. So he's he's integral. But they can't kill him. He's he's the only one I got left on the team. (laughs) They wiped out trip. I was upset. I got over it because we still had Mac. I was like, all right, holding on, Mac. And I actually thought Mac, Mac was going to die a couple weeks ago because things got dicey. Yeah. All right, well, let's hope it's Lincoln. Maybe maybe his death, <laughs> maybe his, his death is there to further develop Daisy's character or something. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> all right, so Lincoln it is. Rest Lincoln in peace, Lincoln. Go. We knew Die him Lincoln. barely. <laughs> barely, all right. yeah. So, he just seems so angry and annoying all the time now. I mean, mm-hmm. I understand he cares about Daisy, but it's it's just he's the he's the he's the white angry black guy on the team. Yeah, the white angry. Black that's guy. exactly who he. Is. <laughs> that's who he is. He's just always mad. Ah, I'm, I want to do it. I'm leaving. I'm shocking people for no damn reason. He just I don't want to follow orders. I don't want. I, he just, you know, I love her so much. It's just, ah, uh, dude, relax, calm down, calm down. <laughs> All right, what else we got? All right. Well, today in New York City was the Valiant Summit where they released seven brand new titles that they will be um, that will be getting this year, starting in July. Um, they also named the creative teams and gave us a bit of what each title is about. The uh, first one coming out will be Faith, um, written by Jody Hauser, and you have art by Pierre Perez and Marguerite Suavich. So Faith, everyone already knew about, because I think that announcement was made maybe about a month or two ago when the um, the fourth issue of the miniseries came out, and it's done very well. I think it sold out like four times, so it had, yeah, I think it had to go to its fourth printing. So, you know, everyone's excited about that. Next is um, Generation Zero with uh, Fred Van Lente, Francis Portella, and that comes out in August. Now, when I heard Fred's name, I was really hoping it was going to be back on the Archer and Armstrong title, but they already have that covered. So we have Generation Zero, which is um, basically the group of Messiah kids that were kind of like left to their own devices after a while. Um, we also have a brand new character in title called um, Britannia by Peter Milligan, art by Juan Jose Rip. And it was described as 300 meets Game of Thrones meets, uh, what's the other, uh, um, American Horror Story. Interesting. So it's like a supernatural detective type story it's just a lot going on in, in there so, so it sounds interesting i'm not i'm not sure if it's my bag though the net the next one got me really excited um it's bloodshot usa by jeff lemire and doug Braithwaite. 
um, that's a four issue miniseries, just like um, Britannia is as as well. They're like the um, four issue prestige minis, like Divinity One was when it came out. Uh, it's Harbinger Renegades, um, pretty much the original team. That is going to be by Raphael Roberts and Derek Robertson. That comes out in November. Um, so you get Faith, Torque, Livewire. Um, so, and really, I don't think there's been a Harbinger title for a couple years now with Valiant. I remember when Valiant in the 90s, that was like one of their flagship books. Hmm. You know, it's kind of like if Marvel left and came back with no Avengers, it's like, uh, where's your, you know, your that something is uh, missing there without yeah. that flagship title. So next we have another prestige mini that comes out in November is called Savage. And that's by um, Clay Moore, Clayton Henry and Louis LaRosa. Now, one thing I don't think it's fair to have Louis LaRosa and Clayton Henry drawing on one book. That's just not fair to the rest of the books. <laughs> LaRosa, <laughs> LaRosa is a beast. Um, Savage number one, um, pretty much, it takes these. Um, it takes this soccer player or football player, football, and um, he's pretty much put in an area where basically everything is prehistoric. He's taken to a different time and everything. Him and his family. There's some sacrifice involved, but um, Louis Larosa is gonna handle. I think the first six to eight pages, and it's huge dinosaurs, action, stuff getting ripped apart. So it's kind of like, think uh, think Torak for right now. Okay. And coming out in December is Divinity 3, Stalinverse. Um, that will be by the original team that's working on Divinity 2 now, which is Matt Kitt and Trevor Harrison. Um, and being that this one is called Stalinverse, it kind of gives you a hint to how things are going to wrap up in Divinity 2. Um, basically, we're going to see the Russian version of um, various Valiant characters like Bloodshot, Shadow Man. Um, so I'm pretty much of the mind that Russia wins at the end of um, Divinity 2. Because hmm. at the end of the first issue, uh, the other cosmonaut that was on the mission with Abram comes back and has now given her services to Vladimir Putin. 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 Mm, so he's pretty Putin. much got a god on his cabinet now. I love Putin. <laughs> <laughs> so out of all those, I I think I'm more interested in Divinity Three, Bloodshot, and Savage. No Arbinger. new no new Shadow Man uh, title. No, and that's I really thought that was going to happen mm-hmm. since they brought him back. Or what happened in like Ninjack in that um in the storyline, but then he's gone again, and <sighs> I don't I don't I don't know when we'll see Shadow Man again. Ludo said, <laughs> "Oh my!" <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear about the remake of that one? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that remake rumor keeps popping up. Everybody wants more Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. All right. In other news, um, New York Comic Con has, in their efforts to deter resellers and whatnot, have once again tweaked their ticket um, buying process. 
And now fan verification is required. Um, so if you want to attend NYCC, and this is whether you're buying a ticket for yourself or if someone's buying them for you, you have to fill out a fan verification profile. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, actually, fan ver- verification opens up uh, May 20th, Friday, at 12 p.m. And it's open till Monday, June 13 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern time. So um, this will be the only place so far as we know that you can get tickets after you, you know, start your, your fan verification. And VIP tickets will no longer be made available. Okay. Yeah, so basically it's all ticket types are going to go on sale. And I'm really going to miss the VIP tickets because that lets you get on the floor before there were millions of people crowding around and smelling up the place. Mm, Smelling up the place, yeah. I mean, you got to go in, get a lay of the land. You know, you got to cruise the floor. You could actually stand and just talk to people and just have, you know, a decent time. So it looks like I'll be hiding out in Artist Alley once again. Because uh, nobody goes for the comic book people at a Comic Con. <laughs> oh gosh, which I don't understand. How can you go to NYCC and not step foot in Artist Alley? I've yeah. actually met people. Artist Alley? No, I never go there. I'm like, why? That's that, that's where the backbone of what the show is. Right. If you go to NYCC and don't go to Artist Alley, you have basically wasted your time. I'm sorry. I don't care how great the main floor is or was in your experience. You do not touch down in Artist Alley and go and speak to the creators before they get to their big publisher booths or like whatnot. Then you've totally missed out. Yeah. I basically I remember when we were there, we used we would go to Artist Alley to get a break from the crowds. Yeah. <laughs> so we and it we, was and what, we peppered our time into Artist Alley. So we'd do a little bit to get a break, and then go back out on the con floor, and then go back to Artist Alley to take a bit more of a break. So we do we do Artist Alley little bits at a time, which was great. <laughs> I mean, you can go and get your artwork. You can go and actually talk to the creators if they're not doing interviews or whatnot and a lot of them are more than happy to talk to you i'm like just like i said knowing that i have actually met people that have never stepped foot in artist alley and they've been going to the show maybe about the past five or six years that just kind of hurts it's like mm-hmm. a kick in the gut like how do you go there and not step foot i mean there's so much talent there and you i found books that i never would have found on the main um, on the main stage at all. You know, you go there, you pick up stuff, you never know what you will, will find or who you'll bump into. You know, I've just tons of people bumping into them all the time. It's like, wow. Got my Teen Titans X-Men signed mm. on accident. On accident. <laughs> well, that's, that's fun thing too about artist, about artist Alley is the, you know, the creators there for the most part, uh, for the most part are just approachable right they love they love talking about about their trade their craft and some will even just shoot the shit with you about stuff that has nothing to do with comics Mm -hmm. (laughs) because i actually i i was looking in my bag and i accidentally stepped on walt simon's shoe i looked up to say excuse me and then you know and i'm sorry i'm sorry but i'm like i said 
you're Walt Simonson, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. Who are you? <laughs> I said, I'm Gid Freeman. He said, well, nice to meet you. So we strung up a conversation. I asked him, you know, if he had a second. He signed the book. We kept talking. And then he was off to do, um, I think he was going to a panel or something, something you know. James Obar told me I had a, uh, a sexy voice. That doesn't happen on the main floor. He couldn't have heard me on the main floor. But he heard me in Artist Alley. The, vo- the voice of Gid. The pro. <laughs> uh, you know what? James O'Barr complimented me, said I had a sexy voice. The con has been working just for that alone. For sure. Yeah, so let's see. Uh, moving on in uh, other news. I think that was it, right? Oh, oh no, you're forgetting. Uh, oh, well. You're forgetting the... Yes. <laughs> yes, the big reveal today. And I think I'm subconsciously trying to push it out of my mind. Um, <laughs> we all Earlier are. today, I guess DC was trying to get one up on Valiant. <laughs> DC was like Valiant and is having a summit we're going to show off our new logo so now um, if you haven't by now we are uh, we got to see DC's new logo Whomp, I'm sorry um, <laughs> it's supposed to be a nod to the past the present and the future DC Comics. Uh-uh. Um, so what they did was they took little bits and pieces from several fonts of their logos to and create put them one. together to this one major. Yeah, they Frankenstein this thing, and I'm not trying to be harsh, but I think it's ugly as hell. It's not only ugly; it's super bland and vanilla. Not that the other ones really weren't but it's really not i mean and the thing is marvel marvel's logo is super simplistic right it's just white lettering on a red background and they've had just a similar sort of variation to that logo since you know the dawn of marvel comics and dc's basically (laughs) done the same right it's just been dc typically uh, with a circle of some sort um, just, yeah, just not a whole lot of strength. you know so but the problem with it is it feels like DC's been trying to um, reinvigor I guess their their image with these new logos and it feels like they've went through like three of them in the last five years or something it's it feels ridiculous. What was wrong with the new Fifty Two one with the little peel down? That was that was nice. It was I thought it was kind of cool. It had you know a little bit of style to it, and they would yeah, and they and they would add in like the little pictures or whatnot for whatever comic that that was, you know, and they'd add an image in there, and it was creative with the little peel down part. And I'm like, okay, that design had style. This design says, oh shit, I was supposed to turn in something. Let me just whip it up real fast and give it to the teacher now. Yeah, and and it won't cost much for Vistaprint to make stamps of this. So, <laughs> oh gosh, this is the Comic Sans of logos. <laughs> oh my gosh! And they pretty much like as soon as they announced it, they put it on everything on the D, on the DC app on the Twitter. Oh yeah, their um, their website yeah. has the new heading, yeah, new logo. 
And you know there's got to be some people in the office that are just like, just face and palm like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, they were calling their parents last night like, look, you're going to see something tomorrow you might not like. Don't ask me about it. Just let it happen. So it's it's just not, it's not a logo that is eye-catching at all. To no. Like I said, I see, you know, I kind of get the past, present, future thing, but like I said, they Frankenstein a bunch of stuff and then put it together in this logo and tried to pass it off to something great. Like I saw the tweets earlier and they were like, who's excited? No one. No one's excited. Stop. <laughs> stop. No one's excited about stop. that. You know, don't act like people are tweeting you about how awesome this logo is because they're not. <laughs> and if they are, stop getting the interns to lie because the real people who buy your books, the man or woman on the street, the average person really was not feeling this logo. And I was all over Twitter today. Yes, I did see some some positive notes, but I'm pretty sure those are either bats or interns. I saw some people that gave very balanced and fair criticism, and then I saw people rip it to shreds. Mm-hmm. But even those people that gave fair and balanced criticism, you could tell it's like the kids striking out at T-ball, <laughs> and they were just being nice. <laughs> they were being very nice. Oh, you try again next time. That's pretty much how their their comments came off. Other folks just ripped it to shreds, period. Like I said, I, I still don't see anything wrong with the previous one from the new 52. That one at least had some style. And I know people ripped that one as well, but it looked a lot better than this. Yeah, I got, should I, go to show you. I got used to it. Um, I still prefer the one prior to that with the Comet star going around the DC thing. Oh, yeah. See? I like that one. Those. Where is that guy? Whoever <laughs> designed those two, where is he? Or, or or she. I don't know who it is, but that person needs to come by. Because you, you can't tell me that the people that designed those two came up with this. Yeah, for sure. And if they did, then they're angry. And they need to go to therapy. Because that's a lot of stuff building up in there. So it's like, uh, uh all right. All right. To stop. All right. I, I, can, I can actually go into some really dark places about this logo. Yeah, it's a good time to stop. Um, um, on the good news front, excuse me. Wow, see the logo made me cough. Um, as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe is concerned, with um, the meteoric and fantastic praise that Black Panther received after his appearance in Civil War, Marvel decided to release some casting news, and we have Michael B. Jordan joining the cast of Black Panther in an undisclosed role. Well, of course, after hearing it, many people took Twitter and were like, you know, Killmonger. Everybody was shouting out Killmonger um, or maybe Marvel will make up some character for him, but a lot of people seem to be thinking he'll be playing Killmonger. Um, Another one was Lupita Nyong'o. Unfortunately, she can't be Storm. (laughs) That's the sad news, is that she can't be Storm. Um, a lot of people were assuming she would be his sister, Shuri, which would, would be another great role for her. But, but apparently, um, she won't be Shuri either. So hmm. we don't know exactly who she will be in the film. So um, I just, I'm glad we got those two in there. So I'm just thinking 
Keith David, Ernie Hudson, um, Cicely Tyson, um, several other people. And we'll have the, oh, um, it was also stated that the cast will be 90% African or African-American. So I can just go ahead and cast the rest of this. I actually want Eddie Murphy and <laughs> Arsenio Hall to make a cameo and, and like be bring, bringing gifts at like a banquet from Zamunda. It would be great. From Zamunda. I love it. <laughs> it would be yes, fantastic. Yes. Yes. Fuck you too. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great. Oh man, if 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 that happened, I would, I'd be I'd be done. I'd be done. <laughs> Nothing else could go wrong with that movie. Hop on one leg, bark like a dog. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh that's on the good news casting on the the, the Marvel front. So, awesome. All right. Is it that? Is it time? I think it is time. All right, it's time to dive into this week's picks. First up, we have my pick, which is Uncanny Inhumans number eight. Uh, how did Medusa and the Human Torch get together? Find out here. A catastrophe involving a collapsing building leaves Marvel's newest it couple trapped in the rubble. But just as you see Medusa and Johnny's meet-cute, so does her sister Crystal. Did we mention that the torch was her first love? Uh-oh. <laughs> Written by Charles Soule. Art by Kev Walker and Scott Hanna. And, uh, I didn't pull it out yet. There we go. Okay, so, Uncanny and Humans. There's a, a small reason I... I I picked this one because it was a good issue, in my opinion. But also it raises questions. Questions. Okay, so uh, it, the it's just like the solicit says. Uh, uh, Medusa and John, uh, Johnny Storm, Human Torch, are trapped in a building, a burning building, while they were saving some people. And uh, they sort of, I guess, kind of reminisce. So Medusa is, is the one that's carrying the load of the of the building with her hair, which is actually, was actually a pretty awesome panel in my opinion. Um, I always like to see Medusa do neat stuff with her hair and, uh, push that to the limit. Um, so it's fun when people get creative. So, uh, her, you know, her hair is not only pre prehensile, but it's fairly strong. Um, I didn't know though that Medusa had a pretty superhuman back uh, to be able to handle that load, but I guess the hair is doing <laughs> the hair is doing the lif heavy lifting there. Um, so that that was just kind of a great panel where Johnny Storm, um, you know, the building falls down on top of them. Johnny Storm sort of lights up his hand to see what's going on, and uh, we see that that reveal of that Medusa is actually holding up the building. So in doing so, while they're waiting for uh, you know the 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 rubble to sort of settle and for help to arrive. Um, she needs some help uh, distracting her from the pain of holding this building up. So they kind of reminisce about how they got to where they are as a couple. So how that spark first happened, um, that kind of stuff. So we, it's a little bit of a uh, an origin story of their of their romance. <clears throat> so there's not much else going on the, in the issue except uh, exploring that that part. Uh, I thought it was well written. It's it's 
it's good to see Johnny Storm uh, in action. It, 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 you kind of see the. Um, I I started asking myself questions because I've been out of comics for a little while. As I took my sabbatical, I really took one, and I I hadn't been really keeping up on much. But I do know that Reed and Sue have disappeared, and um, uh, Thing has joined the Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, uh, Johnny here was in. I believe he's also part of the Uncanny Avengers. Um, but he's acting, yeah, he's acting as a similar role here as being a liaison between the Inhumans and the, you know, rest of the world, essentially. Um, so the reason he got put on this team in this role, uh, Medusa offered him this role because she felt he was on a self-destructive path, grieving for his lost sister and brother-in-law, and also grieving for the loss of his best friend, um the thing which is off in space and such so she extended the hand and and offered him this position and that's how he got to be in there so it was a distraction for him and and so you could see medusa was trying to do something helpful in that sense um their relationship kind of blossomed and they kind of ended up together so you know um but as we remember uh johnny storm also dated uh, Medusa's sister for a while, so there was a few <laughs> awkward panels there where Medusa essentially uh, sends Crystal off on some mission just to kind of, um, <clears throat> no pun intended, but get them out of her hair, uh, so they don't have to confront her about their relationship and such. And the whole idea is Medusa thought that the relationship wouldn't really last. Um, there's a really, as you're reading through and, you know, how cute the story is and how they came to be, it really is a story more about Medusa, about her uh, state of mind, about what she has to go through. Uh, the, the whole building on top of her and her holding it is also a metaphor for the load uh, that she bears, the weight that she bears being the inhuman queen. And um, so we get to see some of that expressed in this in this issue and she even questions herself her own motives for um you know offering johnny this position and even for starting a romance with him she feels like she doesn't know whether or not it's real anymore whether or not she's doing it because she's a queen and she feels that that responsibility um because she's just so used to having people you know in sort of in a royalty kind of way, manipulate people to do and place them where they should be and have them do what they need to do to either, uh, you know, achieve their potential or what have you, right? She's always sort of uh, playing chess in that manner. And uh, so she doesn't know what's real or not anymore. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a pretty touching story and an and intimate one when they're stuck in this rubble, uh, figuring, figuring all this out. Um, and, and it ends on a nice note, but also a dun-dun-dun kind of note, uh, so it's a nice little cliffhanger to keep you going for the next issue. I just thought it was a solid issue. It was a good story. You have just two characters talking, and you get to see in-depth character development. Um, the art was pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, not spectacular, but it, it's, you know, the, it j did the job fairly well. Uh, there's some inconsistencies, especially in the way Johnny looks. But otherwise, I don't really have much complaint about the art. Uh, it moves the story along just fine. So other than that, I, I really like uh, I really like that. I, I like seeing that insight into Medusa's you know mind and thoughts. So, what did you think? 
right. I don't I don't think I've even read this since the I think there was like a heist at a casino or something that Black Bolt was running though. I don't even know if that was this Inhumans title. There are now so many Inhumans title. I can't keep up with it. Yeah. But um, this was I didn't even know Johnny and Medusa were a thing. So this has been going on for a while. Like this isn't new. Um, I me. Yeah, I hadn't read the issues, but I have heard of a spark. So, and I mean, Uncanny Humans. This volume is only at issue eight, so I can't imagine it's been going on for more than for more than eight issues for sure. But probably only gotcha. starting from the last six or so. But I need to go back and read those. All right. So I like the fact that we kind of went old fashioned with the the danger in here. It's no cosmic mess or anything. It's hey. The building's on fire. So, you know, these these guys deal with, like, cosmic-level threats, Dr. Doom, all that stuff. They can handle a burning building fine. And, you know, this is the time where she chooses the, uh, you know, we should break up speech. While she's got, like, several hundred tons on her back holding up the hair. And, you know, of course it's not the right time. But, like you said, you know, there's a metaphor being played with here. You know, as you read the story, you get to see the bigger picture. Um, overall, I mean, I guess she wants to keep it in the family. At least you feel guilty about um, about it, kind of like sending Crystal off. And don't they have a child together? Crystal uh, and um, Johnny? Not that I know of. That's Quicksilver. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. Phew. Okay. All right. Um, so, and I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, re- I'm reading this and I'm trying to think. Is this, you know, is it forced or anything? And I like the fact that even though, even if I didn't have any prior knowledge about this, this didn't seem like anything that was just forced. Um, everything that's written here, like like you said, he's got the two people in the situation and she's trying to hold it up and he's pretty much thanking her because he was half on fire drunk in a restaurant when her and she hoped found him and, you know, she gave him basically purpose. You know, Ben's gone, his sister's gone. Reed's gone, but nobody really misses Reed anyway. <laughs> um, that cliffhanger, you know, Medusa tries to like brush it under the uh, rug. Like, oh, yeah, um, this isn't what it looks. And Johnny's like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So it's like at that point, he couldn't care less, but go ahead. Yeah, so so that's that's the thing too. And you you asked the question. This was a question I was asking myself as I was reading it too. Because I paused. And I'm like, I specifically asked myself, does this relationship or this particular story feel forced? Does their relationship feel forced? Because um, I, then I was trying to think of what Marvel's trying to do with the Fantastic Four since they're no longer together. What are they doing with these characters? Is it because they don't know what to do with Johnny that he's ended up in this book with Medusa? Um, you know, their plans for the Inhumans aren't working out so well either. So is this, you know, is this all, is this, does this feel forced? And um, so I asked that same question and I don't think it does. Like like you said, you read through it and it's it actually feels kind of organic. So I think it was a good, strong relationship story. Now, what's their ship name? You got Medusa and the Human Torch. What's their what? Their ship name, like you know, when you bring them together, when you just mash, mash <laughs> like Brangelina, you mean? 
Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. You know, I just, I, I just couldn't get one. Yeah, human do so. Used to it's just. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, you know, just ah well, you know, hot Man. hair, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, so it was a pretty solid issue. As far I'm always excited to see Kev Walker. Um, I missed him on the Thunderbolts. That was when I just really appreciated his style and his artwork. Mm-hmm. Here, kind of like you said, there were like a lot of inconsistencies here. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like the Kev Walker that I'm used to, and I'm not sure if it was because of the inks or like the palette, but it was, um, you know, his his Johnny was a little weird sometimes, but it's still a good looking issue. It's, it's just not the Kev Walker that I'm used to and that maybe his style may have changed I may not have seen it over the years because like I said the last time I remember seeing it consistently was back when he was um, drawing Thunderbolts so that was a while back so like I said you know he could have changed his style up a little bit so as artists do at times so it could just be me but I wasn't feeling it as much as I thought I would when I opened it up because I saw Kev Walker and got really excited Mm -hmm. and I wonder what movie they were watching uh, well, I I assumed I tried to get a panel of it, but I assumed they were watching Star Wars because yeah, he he right, he yeah. mentions it, right? Sure as hell wasn't Batman versus Superman. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I guess we can go ahead and rate it now, right? Yep. So let's do that. Um, I yep, will yep. give Uncanny and Humans number eight. Um, like like I said, although it it probably wasn't the strongest issue this week for me, um, it did make me think a lot and I like that kind of a comic so I ask questions and such so I enjoyed it for that and I'm going to go ahead and give it a 7 I give it a 6.5 awesome on to your pick my pick is Southern Bastards number 14 14 Southern Bastards oh I love image comic solicits the big game is over but the troubles have only just begun the Return of Roberta Tubb. Written by Jason Aaron. Art by Jason Latour. Jason and Jason. Jason and Jason. Sounds like a right. lawyer's office. <laughs> All right. Um, anyone who's been reading Southern Bastards since the first issue of the first arc, um, you know, we've been waiting on Roberta to get home for a long, long time. So, uh, Last we did see her, she left her dad um, a voicemail, and unfortunately, Earl was killed. So she's she she arrives home now, and she's uh what we have here is like Aaron giving us our first real introduction to to Roberta as a character, not um not just a, a cliffhanger. So you know he reminds us that she was in the, the Marines, um she was part of an all female unit, um. And she's coming home now to Alabama, and she gets to Earl's house, and the neighbor has pretty much let his dog just run around, but just shit, um, just shit all over the porch, the front yard, and everything. But she's um, she's remembering like the smells and everything, and just trying to get readjusted. And in the background, Aaron also has her mother calling her, leaving her messages, and you and you can tell by the messages the mother does not approve of her being back at that house um so we can kind of, we can kind of tell that the mother and earl really didn't maybe part on good terms and that maybe roberta is more of a, a daddy's girl but the way that you know the deep south raises your girl as your daddy not the prissy kind either so hmm. um you know she's also dealing with 
what comes with being um, a black woman in the South when you come back home after a while. You're the suspicious character, so the cops get called on her, and you know she she explains to um, to them this is her house at this point, and they say and I tell Alabama cops win. You know, and I like the fact that Aaron doesn't shy away from too much here. It's real. I mean, this is the Alabama. This is the South I remember. So it's just it just feels like a it feels natural and it feels real. And um, at this point, since Earl is dead now, the only way we can get a sense of how they were together will be in flashback. And there's a really great flashback sequence here when she's going off to join. And we all we also know that Earl is a vet, he was in Vietnam and they have a really tender moment for them you know, and it's real cool, but Roberta is, like I said, she's trying to get acclimated back and um, her neighbor is less than hospitable but she's even like doing some self-talk to kind of get her relaxed, I mean, she tells herself, you do not have permission to engage, you know, because the guy's being like <laughs> a, a total jerk you know, he's, he's He's, he's throwing like these, these little um, side, sideways stereotypical comments right now, right now. So their first confrontation is a civil one, but it could have gotten ugly real fast. But um, she finds out that the neighbor basically stole her dad's lawnmower, and you know she jumps the fence and goes and gets it. And he sees in the mor- in the morning that she's riding it. He comes to claim it with with his buddy, and we get this really just bloody violent action scene from the tour and it's you know when the action kicks up in here everything just goes red and I think that's just a real nice visual touch here on any any time and Roberta pretty much beats up the neighbor, his friend and the girlfriend and though it probably could have went a different way I mean I'm, I'm pretty sure she could have handled it like a different way but she, she was just fed up and by the time it's over with I mean the, I like the fact that she's got her daddy shirt his gun wrapped up in there and she finally calls her mom back because she wants to, to know everything the cops told her about Earl's death because we know it was covered up we know that a lot, it happened publicly but the people in the small town aren't talking and I think we actually spoke about that, you know, I think we, we reviewed that issue where Earl died, you know this is, in a small in a small town that's probably what, what would happen nobody's going to say anything so between the story and the tour's art which like I said, he he draws a very strong Roberta, but even though like you you can just tell like she's physically imposing, but there's some moments in here like the little kid like gave her an emotional gut punch, and Latour like transfers that real well with her facial expression and body language. And the, like I said earlier, the part with her and Earl it was just great. I actually wish Earl was alive just so they can just like team up and just go whoop a lot of ass together so this issue actually made me miss Earl Tubbs so it was a good one what'd you think? Yeah I mean I agree Um, every time you guys I don't regularly read it but every time you guys pick Southern Bastards um, I always end up enjoying it Um, so I've read what two three issues I think they were picked uh, that I was on the show and uh, just from what I had read um, this is also a great um, I don't want to say, I guess a jumping on point as well, because I was happy to see like this is, you know, Roberta coming back home, and it's really the start of a new arc, and that's Roberta, Roberta Roberta's arc, so I'm hoping that she's going to investigate Earl's death, and uh, 
and we're looking forward to some good times from that um, happening. Uh, yeah, the the art is you know Latour's art is great. Uh, it's it's fitting for the book. Uh, you said it yourself. I love I love Roberta's design. She's physically imposing, and uh, you know just her facial expressions for almost the entire thing. Uh, the interactions with the cops, with the neighbors. Uh, my God, you know it's and it's this is an issue that makes you think too because the the deep south. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not a fan. I mean, whatever. The Deep South is the Deep South. It's I, a cult- I think, I think in order, in order to be a fan or even like the Deep South is the personification of ugly beauty. Yeah. Me. I spent, I spent too much time in Parish, Mobile, and just back, back in, in, in Fourth and other parts, like as well, that, there are parts of it that I, I hate, yeah. but there's also a part of me that just loves it and, exactly. and embraces it. Like that panel with the cayenne pepper, I knew exactly what was about to happen. As soon as I saw her pull out yeah. the pepper, I didn't need anything else to tell me what was going to happen, but I just knew it. And when it, when it did happen, I just, I, I just fell out laughing. I had to call my mom because <laughs> we had to, we, we had a neighbor do the same thing um, to, uh, I guess, a friend, a friend of, is and we just watched it unfold it was great but yeah that, yeah that's the thing uh, i mean it it just doesn't it really doesn't paint a nice picture of you know of that part of the deep south and uh like you said um jason aaron doesn't pussyfoot around showing us that and uh it's it's unsettling almost, uh, but it is what it is, and it makes for a great story, and it makes for a, uh, a quote-unquote villain of the story and this specific issue uh, without having any exposition, just a few dialogue bubbles, and you got a hate on for this dude. Um, <laughs> like, you know, he's he's really your stereotypical... Uh, muscle shirt with the skulls on the Dale Earnhardt ball cap uh, alludes to a certain you know using the switch on the kid and uh, you know the trashy girlfriend and oh, the drinking and the stealing and the yeah <laughs> so it, it, he you know Jason Aaron makes it very easy for us to to hate these people and root for Roberta and uh, the fight scene was just awesome, especially the the you know one of the final panels where she she just turns around after beating up his buddy and says, "Don't lose, don't go losing your nerve now, asshole. Come on, I need this. I gotta get this shit out of my system." And she that's when she you know beats the hell out of him and and in front of the girlfriend, then the girlfriend, and in front of the kid. And uh, yeah, the the gut the the gut punch from the kid, the um, emotional gut punch from what he says to her, yeah. is ah, uh, uh, it's too bad. You see, you see it, and you just like my heart breaks just seeing it, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's another, that was another part. I was like, ah, been there. <laughs> that's been my face. It's like really, yeah, really okay. You know, it's just like oh. But, uh, but yeah, it ends on a high note, you know, she's, uh, after being in that whole situation, she must've been at the house for what, two days. Right. And, uh, she's already, she's already decided and committed to, uh, that was enough to tell her that, you know, her daddy's death was not, uh, 
accidental or you know is definitely covered up and she needs to get to the bottom of it so it's it's a, it's a great ending and I'm looking forward to to what's next from Roberta so I loved it it'll be complete poetic justice I mean like the cover just I mean she she's got her dad's shirt on and when I saw it wrapped around the gun I'm like she is gonna wear her dad's shirt and mm-hmm. kick serious ass when not, she not with a baseball shoots. bat this time <laughs> right <laughs> So yeah, it's 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 gonna be good. It's gonna be ugly as hell though. I was a little like I I thought I missed something because I didn't know this was the end of the arc until I got to the last page. Because I think there was a gap between the last couple of issues. So okay. I was like, all right. Yeah, but I mean, even if you do, you know, like you said, like hop into this uh, issue, even if you read like a few more, you won't be too lost in here. There's enough. That you can piece together what happened. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's you know, go. Let's go ahead and read it. I give Southern Bastards number fourteen an eight point five. All right, I will match that. I also give it an eight point five. All right, time for some backup picks. Oh uh, goodness! Oh goodness! Yes. Okay, I get to go first. Woo! Okay. Uh, what did I enjoy? Surprisingly, a fair amount of things, although I mainly only read some Marvel stuff, because that's what I'm trying to catch up on right now. Um, Web Warriors, I highly enjoyed. David Baldian, my god, I love that guy. Um, he knows how to draw a book, and it's just fun, and it's so clean, and kind of, the lines are just fantastic. I just absolutely love it. Uh, this story was interesting. Uh, <laughs> we get to see yes. we get to see a another uh, spider ham, which is awesome. So it mainly takes place in the Earth 138, which is the um, anar- an- anarchy Spider-Man. So the Hobie Hobie Brown, um, you know, punk rocker Spider-Man. So it's his okay. world right. where basically um, uh, music like record labels run the entire planet or country or something so you know that was interesting uh vulture Records st- steps in and they uh they shut him down and then there's a whole invasion thing happening um so our web warriors are uh called in to deal with that and that's when we meet spider ham 2099 which uh, had me in stitches that was wow yeah there's wow. a there's a spider ham 2099 now which is awesome okay and that's wow that's that's canon that's I mean, it is now yeah for sure so but <laughs> yeah it's 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 all brought home by Baldian's art and I just I just absolutely loved it so it's a good series it's been a good series so far uh aside from that uh vision was an interesting issue I haven't been reading vision but uh in this story we see uh we see vision uh how some of his or it, basically his entire relationship history with Wanda and uh, right up to the point where she went crazy with the whole, you know, made-up kids thing. Um, only to end the issue on the note where you feel like he's doing it all over again with um, this new, you know, female vision, which I'm, I forget what her name is, but I think she has some of Wanda's consciousness in her or something. Anyways, um, he's kind of doing it all over again. What's that? He just can't let Wanda go. Yeah, basically. Uh, but it was a solid issue, and it's kind of a interesting, uh, again, another look into, 
you know what what makes vision tick which was which was fun um aside from that uh i read powers which was uh dina pilgrim she's not she's not screwing around man she uh she's a tough cop and she's tough on powers and this issue was a little unsettling with what she ends up doing at the end um so they're basically after this guy who's um mur- who murdered a criminal but they still have to bring him in and he's a power and um Dina kind of stri- strikes a deal with him and uh kind of reneges on it at the end in a very cold manner uh so I don't want to spoil that for you but you need to check that out if you're a fan of Dina Pilgrim this might end up changing your mind so eesh. what yeah. Okay, okay. Check it out. <laughs> so I'm not sure exactly what's going on with her, but I was a little disturbed by uh, by Dina Pilgrim in this issue. Um, the Fix. I checked out The Fix. I, I can't remember if we had picked the first issue on the show. Or yeah. The, you I... got by Nick Spacer, uh, Spencer. Nick Spencer and Steve <laughs> Leiber, right? The team behind uh, the last run of Ant-Man, which was fantastic. Yeah. And also, um, they did the Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which was also fantastic. Um, so this is in a similar fashion, same kind of humor, uh, same kind of art. So if you love those two other books, you should definitely check out The Fix. And uh, so this story was fairly interesting, showing us about how um, the main character, and I already forget his name, what he goes through anyways to just get what he wants it's a little sociopathic to a certain extent uh which was really interesting but spencer just writes it in a just a comedic kind of way where you actually rooting for this guy um yeah in the same manner that you did for scott lang you know in 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 that series and and the criminals of superior spider-man uh superior foes so uh it was an interesting issue and i'm looking forward to see where the fix is going. Um, so check it out if you haven't yet. Picked up those first two issues and let us know what you think. Um, and that basically does it for my backups. All right. I will go with um, for a backup, which actually kind of shocked me, was the Ultimates number seven. Um, hmm. I've liked the series, but not as much as I thought I would. But this issue right here, pretty much kick stuff into overdrive um rock of horse artwork was just superb it it pretty much always is but like everything synced up your art story you, you have carol danvers looking tired as hell um we've been just back to back to back cosmic stuff and um blue marvel and black panther are going, going at it um and then thanos pops up and there's a lot of blood and everyone's favorite jerks that she are are there so nobody really is sad when they go unless it's like gladiator because i don't think anybody cares about the shiar anymore no yeah because like we used to root for them and then all of a sudden nah not so much they're there's like they're like space assholes <laughs> yeah there's a line in there because um i guess one of the uh like um uh, this guy's he's pretty much an ambassador so he's talking mess to care um carol and um <laughs> He's trying to invoke the Phoenix Protocols. Carol was like, you know, yeah, you haven't jumped down, down to Earth and kidnapped a redhead anytime soon. I was like, ah, oh, yes. And, like, he didn't like that comment. But I'm like, this guy's a jerk. They all are now. Like, ah. Oh. Like, Chris Claremont had this love in the Shi'ar. Nowadays, it's like, nah, no love. No love at all. 
Um, I'll also go with Think Tank, Creative Destruction number two. If there wasn't a joke thrown in every now and again and some humor peppered in this, I this would just scare the crap out of me because every time Matt Hawkins has me finishing this book thinking that the world is even scarier than what I even know it to be. And then he even gives you links that he's done and gone his research on so you can go and get scared all over again by <laughs> looking it up online. So um, let's see, Batman, TMNT. Uh, the ending seemed a little rushed, but all in all, it was just a fun way to wrap up the arc. The turtles did what turtles do. And there's a hint that they could come back and join up again, which I'm hoping happens, like fingers crossed and everything. Um, da, 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 I'll also go with Black Panther number two. I like the fact that Coates is, it's a superhero book, but it's not all, you know, fighting, action, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot going on here. Still, Freeze's art is still fantastic. And this is a pretty layered story, though I will at some point really want to see some huge superhero action but i like how everything's um being played out so far darth vader 20 um i i love what gillen's been doing with vader period and there's a, a backup story with the two assassin droids which is like the and uh let's just say that you need to treat your droids right before they become self-aware and remember all the crappy stuff you did to them <laughs> they will kill you um, Ninjack number 15 was fantastic. Um, I don't know if you were on the show where we did review the issue and find out that the butler was really his dad and no. not his dad. All right. Well, spoiler alert. Yeah, the butler is really Colin's dad and he was living in the house. Well, the backup story shows how all that happened. But even the main story with Roku, like there's a scene she just comes in and kills everybody but Ninjak just gets his ass kicked and then the story's over, which is a hell of a cliffhanger. And I was like, no! So, yeah. Ninjak um, 15. Huh. Pick that up. So, those will be my backup picks. Alright, so now that means we can go to our stairway picks. Um, okay, my first stairway is Venom Space Knight. Oh, that's what I forgot what? in I forgot in my backups. Um, Actually, yeah. yeah, but if that is as a backup, I would have put it as a, a backup. No, 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 not after they, my the backup. I the backup oh. I forgot about. Um, so after reading Guardians of the Galaxy which was supposed to be a backup pick because I highly enjoyed it. Okay. Um, reading Venom Space Knight, I'm kind of like, ah, it's this whole... But I haven't... Okay, in my defense, I haven't... I've read the first and the third and the seventh issue of Venom Space Knight, and I'm just not liking it. I used to be a, such a big fan of uh, Ariel Olivetti's art, and there's just something about it that almost bothers me now. It's It's very, very pretty, Highly detailed. I love sort of the watercolor type of um, mm -hmm. coloring he does. You know, sure, Venom's proportions are okay, but those, some of those aliens just look absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it's definitely a good artist, but it just doesn't, for a character like Venom, it just doesn't almost feel like it doesn't fit. Anyway, so the, the story felt a little flat with me with having the symbiote being so sentient on his own, you know, like Flash leaves him and he just walks around yeah, like remember, he's... He got, he got fixed. 
Alex. Yeah, I know. He got purified and all that stuff, but it's a whole it's a whole different Venom symbiote that I'm just not totally on board with that I find that they do cooler stuff with in Guardians. So if you like Venom, I or the older version of Venom or cool Venom shit, check out Guardians and not the Venom Space Knight um series. Although if you've been reading it from the start and you're a fan, you know, it's 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 an aspect that's or it's a direction that they're going with the symbiote that is kind of cool. Him being taught to be like, you know, a space knight or whatever those space cops are. Um so all right, but uh I didn't enjoy it. So it's a stay away from for me. Uh I only have one other stay away from which is all new all different Avengers. Um, we're introduced to but a I think new... it's more so about their... Go ahead. Uh, their, um, I just think it deals with more so the fact that last issue when Venom linked on to that one guy and then the rage started to come back and Flash mm. was going through the, the kind of parallel with Flash's alcoholism and him falling off the wagon. Yeah. So I think... It was kind of like, you know, them, you know, finding that duality trying to help each other out. But I guess I enjoyed this issue. And like I said, this is one of those books that kinda of like snuck up yeah. on because I didn't like it at, at first and now I do. So they seem to, to they seem to explore a bit more the uh, the actual the bond between uh, the Clintar and uh, and Flash. Which is which is cool. So, uh, yeah, so my only other uh, uh, stay away from is all new, all different Avengers. We're introduced to a new Wasp. Um, the reason I didn't fully like it is because it's just feeling so much like the, they're going in the same direction as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The new Wasp ends up being um, basically Hank Pym's daughter uh from his first wife before Janet so he's like Hank's long lost daughter that he never knew about or something so they they kept and she just happens to be a genius that found all the pim particle plans and worked in a lab and made her own wasp suit and then tried to come help out or join the avengers or what have you yeah yeah exactly yeah, so there's there's elements there of her being uh it, somehow involved maybe in the super uh you know the russian uh winter soldier program of some sort right she uh found found by bucky and all that stuff so it's kind of like uh i just i just not it just left a bad taste in my mouth although the issue itself if you just read it as a story i thought was solid it was fun uh there's some stuff going on with vision which is a bit weird uh because he was tampered with by kang uh made it interesting but other than that, I just don't like that direction. I don't like I don't like them doing that. So, what are your stay away froms? All right, uh, my stay away picks. Not that many, but um, I will go with all new X Men number nine. <sighs> okay. I didn't. Bo- yeah, I didn't I bother just, cracking I, it open. I, I really wasn't feeling it. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just wasn't feeling this one, and I think I know why. It's just. I actually like the extraordinary title a little bit better, and um, the other one is slightly okay. I just can't get with this one. I'm barely reading X Men as it is. It's just been quite horrible lately. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I will also put on, and I hate to do this, but I really felt like this was just, yeah, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 57. Um, I like the that they tied it into the Turtles in Time story from way back with Leatherhead, which is cool. It was a really great twist. But overall, it was just kind of like, you know, he gets away. I don't want to empathize with every villain. And I think, you know, just because they're a mutant and they return, yeah, fine. But I don't, I don't want, I want a villain I can hate because it just can't be Shredder and Crank. And Shredder's gone now. So, you know, they have to throw in some bad guy somewhere. The Turtles run the hood. And we have Kitsune, who is a villain now, and she's been manipulating Alipex. So I'm glad that next issue we're going to get back to that. But I don't want another mutant villain that I have to empathize with or feel sorry for um, for them about why they do or did things that that they did. I really don't. And and that's the part that kind of just dropped the ball for me. Because if if Leatherhead is going to be a um, serial killer, I don't want his tortured backstory about why he became that way. He's a big ass alligator. He's manipulative. He kills. <laughs> um, let's see. Avengers. Art wise, I loved it and I like how Vision still has problems and he's pissed off about it. But the whole thing with the wasp, I'm like, do you really need one? I'm, and I'm like, you know, the base is a. Uh, Anger, Jarvis is mad at the end of it. Jarvis just takes her in his car and leaves. Like, didn't she come to join the team? Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that was a little confusing. Yeah, so you know, it's it's like she she was there just to be there, mm-hmm. and then gone. Not really adding much to to the story. Uh. So, yeah. um, it's a prelude to 4001 AD. And like I said, it's great. It's a nice story, a nice little simple end, but it could have been more of a backup story than a full issue. So I'm going to just go ahead and leave it at that. All right. So with that, I that's guess that's. All right. So with that, I guess that, uh, that will end this episode 246 of water cooler so we'd like to thank all our regular supporters uh tmv cafe underground video network itunes tune in radio comicattack.net dot net um you know come check us out at comic attack check out our chirps reviews news manga .net. Dot net, yeah. Uh, movies, columns, podcasts um and all the wonderful stuff we offer over there um <laughs> it's always a good time at comic attack there you go (laughs) so with that uh we hope you have yourselves a good week and um stay thirsty my friends